your Bibles, grab those. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, that, that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, while you're turning there real quick, I've, I've got arrows. Don't worry, I'm not going to shoot anybody. I don't think. Um, no, they didn't give me a bow to do anything with. But, um, but no, last week from the sermon, uh, Psalm 127, I think you, they're out in the lobby. Um, just encourage you, if you have kids, grandkids, then take one and just be reminded of what Psalm 127 says, how kids are, are like an arrow in the hands of a warrior. Um, and, and just hopefully that will just be a reminder of, man, the great, great privilege and responsibility that God has given us to, um, to be able to uh, and just influence and impact and share the love of Christ and uh, walk with and care for um, kids, care for the family unit, care for the great privilege to be able to um, share his love and grace and mercy in this world. So... Um, Last week, um, so I, my hope and my, my plan was to try to start to wind this thing down to kind of bring it to an end, and um, I still might in the next couple of weeks, um, uh, but, but we'll see. Me and the Lord kind of were talking about it, kind of working through some things, um, and I always just try to be patient and listen to Him, uh, because I've learned whenever I try to get out in front and do it my way, it never ends well, and so um, it may take us a few more weeks to, to walk through, because I believe what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks is very very important for us. I, b- I believe it can be very monumental for us individually as, as believers, uh, as, as well as for us corporately uh, as, as a church. And so I uh, j- just want to beg of you, whatever you have to do, I mean, if you have to go back and watch it, if you, if you can't make it the next couple weeks, that, that you would just, um, just, just, just be intentional with, 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 with seeing and hearing uh, what God has to say to us through his word over the next couple weeks. Uh, I know for me, uh, whenever I went through some of this and just what God did in my heart, what he did um, as a result of the truth that we're going to hear over the next few weeks, I mean, just, it, it, just, it just rocked my world. And, and it rocked it in a, in a good way, and it helped me see some things, some things clearly uh, there and as it pertains to his word. And I just, I just believe that, that God will do that to you. That, that, or that's what I'm praying. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of your heart, get a hold of my heart, and help us just to, to, to really assess and look at where we're at. Right, right, we test things, we, we, we have different things that happen, and we, we, we always try to assess to try to make things better, to try to figure out a little bit more about stuff or how we can be more effective, more efficient, just, just a number of things. And so my hope is that was, that's what God will do over the next few weeks in us, is that he would reveal some things to us about our heart, reveal some things to us about where we're at, uh, even in the discipleship process, because that's what we're going to be looking at and walking through. And so for me, about 13 years ago, when I finally got a hold of some of this and things started to just kind of make sense and started to kind of come into focus, man, I got to see some things in my life personally that God was saying to me, that God was wanting to do in me. And then I got to see some things of how I do relationship with others, how I assess different things with other people. And so for me, it went personal first. Because I believe God had to get me to a place where I could hear, where I could see, where I could, could, could understand some deeper things about him, about me, and about what he wants to do in me. And then, then it took me to other people and relationships that I have with other people, and it helped me understand in a deeper, a greater way, like, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, what, what's, what's taking place within them and what, what God wants to do to, to, to help them progress even? And so before we really jump in this morning, I believe there's some things that we just, we just need to lay out. One is this, is that this is not an elitist way to talk. So, so we're going to see some words, and we're going to talk about some things over the next couple, couple weeks that, that would appear to be very, uh, could be very hurtful, could be very um, uh, maybe pokey-like. I don't even know if pokey's a word. That's, that doesn't make sense. Like my brain wasn't working as fast as my mouth was going. But um, it's not an elitist way to talk. 
It's not a way to downgrade. It's just a tool to help us assess. Hopefully, first and foremost, ourselves, and then second, relationships that we're in. Because that's where discipleship happens, is in relationships, intentional relationships. And so uh, what I would press you is this, is what does God want to say to you? What does God, because I believe the creator of the universe has you here right now, in this day, in this time, in this place, here today, for a specific purpose, and he wants to speak to the heart of the people in this room. He wants to say something to you personally. He wants to reveal truth to you personally. So the the thing to ask first is, is what does God want to say? And then what do you need to do as a result of the truth that he's given you? What's next? What what do you need to do in response to that? And then hopefully thirdly is, how can I now assess and help and walk with someone else grow? Someone else come to a greater understanding of who Jesus is? How, How discipleship works? how that relationship functions. And so for, for us this morning, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at the first two phases of the discipleship process. That's it. First two phases of the discipleship uh, process. And so what you're going to hear me say over the next few weeks, I'm going to repeat this, this statement over and over and over the next few weeks. You're going, to, you're going to hear it a number of times this morning in this sermon, this same uh, statement that I'm going to make will be, will be made over and over and over And I believe it needs to because it's going to help us. Because if not, then we may walk away from this place. We may walk away from from some of the stuff that we're going to see in Scripture or even that's going to be said in this place. We may walk away uh, in in a a way that that makes us feel hopeless, makes us feel defeated, makes us feel beat up, makes us feel a way that I don't believe God wants us to feel and God doesn't want us to walk away in in that situation in that case. Now, I do believe He wants to convict I do believe he wants to shake a little bit. I do believe he wants to cut some places. But, but I don't believe he wants you to walk away defeated and hopeless. I, I, I don't believe that, not one bit. So, so this, this is the statement that you're going to hear over and over and over. It's okay to be where you are. Just don't be content staying in that place. As you assess yourself, as you walk through where you're at as a believer, maybe not even a believer, wherever you're at, it's fine to be there in that place today. However far along you are in your walk, that's quite all right. But where I would press you is don't be content there. If you think that you're the maturest of the mature, don't be satisfied there. Because pride becomes what? Before the fall, right? And so arrogance and pride and, man, I've got this thing licked and I've got this, that, that is a place you don't want to go, a place you don't want to land. And I would venture to say that we're probably not as far along as we think we are, if we're going to be honest. And that's where I want the Holy Spirit to step in and help. Not me. I'm not that good. I'm not that powerful. I'm not that persuasive. I'm not that great. But God is, because if, if I try to do that, the results will, will not be a result that honors God and brings him glory. But man, if God does that and he reveals to you and he shows you where you're at and what's going on and how, man, what he can do in that. What he can do in that. And so that's my prayer. So it's all right to be where you are, just don't be content there. Be looking to grow, be looking to go deeper, be, be looking to go, to go further and farther with the Lord. And so when we're finally honest about where we are, God can start the sanctifying work of getting us to where we need to be. When we look at and assess honestly and truthfully where we're at. So, so like I said, for me, 13 years ago, I go through this. And I mean, it's just eye-opening and life-changing for me. And, and I believed it saved me from being complacent. 
I believe it saved me from being satisfied. I mean, I was a guy come out of college, Joe. Like, I got a Bible degree. How many of you can say that? My dad's about there. I've got to brag a little bit about me. See, Dad, it was worth it. I mean, I've been in church for, and I've done this, and I've missioned, and, and if I didn't have this, man, I could have grown arrogant. I could have grown uh, puffed up. I could have been, and even led to complacency in that. And so thank God he opened my eyes to this. He, he showed me and he allowed me to kind of walk through some of this. And, and I'll tell you right now that if I hadn't got my hands on this or God hadn't revealed this and shown this to me, I'd have probably been a casualty in ministry. I, I probably wouldn't be a guy standing in a pulpit this morning proclaiming to you the truth of God. I, I feel certain of that. So thank God for, for him revealing and showing and helping me understand and see some things. And so what it did is it gave me something to go back to. It gave me a foundation to land at always, especially as it pertains to making disciples, especially as it pertains to that. And so what I want to do, I want to pray this morning. I just want us to pray. And it's going to be a little bit different. And just, just follow me here for a second, because what I want to do is I want to point to posture this morning as we pray. That's, that's what I want to do. And there's, there's nothing special about this. There's nothing uh, like weird that's going to happen. Uh, none of that. What I want to do is I want us just to sit here this morning like this. I want you to do this for me right here. Like, like, like if I was going to toss you a ball, you, you, you'd, you'd be ready to get it, right? Like you'd be ready to catch it. You'd be ready to have it. Again, nothing special about this. I think sometimes for me, uh, whenever I enter into a certain posture, it, it kind of reminds me and gets me ready for what's to come. And so uh, my hope and my prayer is us praying this way is just going to get our hearts prepared for what God wants to say to us. So over the next couple of weeks, that's how we're going to pray when we pray to open up a service like this. Before we get into the Word of God, we're just going to ask God to just, just speak to us and, and help us receive what it is that He wants to give us. Help us to, to take in and catch and to get the thing that He wants to reveal to us. So I'm going to ask you, join me. Let's pray like this. Let's pray this this morning. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Jesus. I need you, God. I, I myself here this morning on this stage as I have the privilege and honor to open up your Word. God, and proclaim and preach your Word this morning. Father, I, I need to be filled. I need, I need you. And God, I never want to be a guy that preaches to the people a truth that he doesn't live out himself. So Father, whatever you need to say to me, whatever you need to do in me this morning, God, I want it. I need it. I need it. I know how I can get arrogant. I know how I can be prideful. God, God I know the depths of my heart. And so, Father, I just, I just want to be this morning just one who says what you have to say. And I don't want to add to that at all. And, Father, for the men and women in this room, for the students in this room who's about to hear your word proclaimed, Jesus, I pray, God, that they would catch what it is that you want to give them. Father, they would receive it and hear it and take it in. And, Father, your Holy Spirit would do the work. Oh, God, of convicting, encouraging, drawing Father, I just pray, Lord, that you speak this morning in this place. May we hear from heaven and may lives be forever altered and changed. God, this is our posture. We want what you want to give us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. It's okay to be where you are, just don't be content staying in that place. Um, and so when, when God saves us, when he, when he rescues us, redeems us, uh, I just believe he has no intention of leaving us the way that he found us. 
That, that, that when he saves us, he doesn't want you to go back dabbling in sin, living the way that you were living, acting the way that you were acting, talking the way that you were talking. That, that, that what happens at salvation is that you get a new heart, you get new desires, you get new longings, and, and he wants to transform us and change us into the image of his son uh, more and more and more. He, he wants us to grow and mature in our faith as well as, I believe, in our relationship with others. And so uh, we talk here at New Life a lot about, uh, about disciples, about making disciples, about being a disciple. Uh, and we, we, for uh, as a people and as a church, I mean, that's our central focus. I believe everything we do should run through that filter. Everything we do should be uh, through those lenses as we look at the world, as we plan events, as we uh, have things uh, happen and things that we do. I, I believe everything that we do needs to focus on the command that Jesus gives in Matthew 28, right? Go make disciples of all nations. But in that, I believe that there's a part about where he wants us to be disciples. He wants us to be disciples, and that happens after salvation. Uh, we're, we're born again, and as we're born again, now we enter into a phase of, of, of discipleship moving toward him in maturity. And so he wants us to be disciples ourselves, and then also what he wants us to do, and he's called us to do, every person in this room who bears the name of Jesus. He has called you and me to go make disciples, not the preacher, not the deacons, not the trustees, not the Sunday schoolers. He, he has called the church the people of God, the born-again saints, to be about making disciples. That's what he has called us to do, to go and to do. And what I've learned and what I know to be true about God is that when he calls us to do something, he's going to give us the means by which we can do it. Like, like he's not going to tell you to do something that you're not going to be able to do, that you're not going to be capable of doing. And we sit here in this room today as a result of what took place over uh, 2,000 years ago. In that room with his disciples when Jesus gives this command. I mean, we're products of this reality. And so he calls us to go make disciples. And that, that's where we get our very mission. Our, our mission is this, to make disciples of Christ in relational environments. So, so we want to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And the way that we believe that that happens is in relational environments, whether that's one-on-one or one-on-a-few but, but that as we journey and we do life together, because when he says, go, therefore make, the go is as you are going. So as you're doing life, as you're walking, as you're working, as you're at your kids' ball games, as you're out eating lunch, as you're out doing, that, that's, that's the call. As you are going, as you are living life, as you are doing, make disciples. And so we believe that that takes place, that that happens in relationship. As we journey together, as we're connected together. And so I just believe what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is going to help us equip ourselves to accomplish this mission. It's going to help us with a how do we really do this. I mean, because over the last weeks, I mean, we've defined what a disciple is. We've looked at some environments that are conducive and needed for that. But how do we really know we've done that or we've not done that? How do we really know? And so it's in the phases it's in the phases of discipleship, and there's five of them. We're going to cover two this morning. The first two phases that we're going to cover this morning, the first one is this. The first phase of discipleship is spiritual deadness. Spiritually dead. So what this means is simply this. People in this stage have not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're lost. There's no spiritual heartbeat at all. They may completely reject God. They may be seeking God. They may even consider themselves to be spiritual. They may claim that they know God or that they are a Christian, but when in all reality, they are their own God. They've never, they've never been given a new heart. They've never been made new. 
They may know stuff. They may be aggressive toward the things of God. They may not be aggressive toward the things of God. They may invite it in and be fine with it. Or they may just be just worldly, living like the world and look like that and act like that. But in their heart, they've never come to the faith of Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. They've never seen themselves as lost and in need of a Savior. That helps us here in Ephesians 2. Just look at some of the verbiage here that, 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 that Paul uses to, to speak this to the, to the believers there at Ephesus. In Ephesians 2, 1, this is what he says. He says, and you were dead. He's reminding them of how they used to be. And you were dead. What? In your trespasses and sins. So, so you were dead. You, you were dead in your sins. So what are you going to do as a lost person? You're going you're to live in your sin. You're going to walk out your sin. You're going to choose self. You're going to live for self. And, and even at the deepest desire of being nice and friendly, it always ends on self for a lost person. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm telling you right now, church, like, like I have met some of the nicest, sweetest, loving gracious lost people out there that would make us look silly. I mean, they are just good folk. And our definition of good, where we get that, I don't know. But they would just, we would consider them to be. But at the end of the day, their bent is toward self. Look at how Paul continues to describe them. He reminds them, and once, you once walked, verse 2, following the course of this world. So there's a way that this world's going. There's a direction that this world's going. It's bent on self, right? Like you are awesome. You are great. You deserve. You should have. Nobody should tell you nothing. Do whatever you want to do. Truth is relative. Live how you want to live. Be what you want to be. Take what you need to take. Do whatever you got to do to get ahead. Lie, cheat, steal. Uh, have sex with everybody you come across. Do, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Because you deserve it. You should have it. That's just, that's just a taste of, of following uh, the course of this world. And, and who's over that? Following the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's Satan. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's just describing a lost person. A lost person is dead. No spiritual heartbeat. No desire for the things of God. No, no real longing and yearnings to follow Jesus Christ. And, and then I love what Paul does here in verse 3. Look at what he says. He says, among whom we all, who? You? Me? Us. If, if you have been born again and you're sitting in this place this morning, this is describing every one of us at one point in our life. And you might have been like one of those sweet, nice little lost folk, but you still lost folk and you were wicked and an enemy of God. That's just the way the scriptures describe us. And it's to the T, is it not? Selfish, sinful, among whom we all once lived. How? In the passions of our flesh. And what feels good in the moment, let me do it. What makes me happy, let me get on it. What satisfies me and brings me happiness, what, what, what fulfills me, what, oh, the passions of the flesh, the longings of the flesh. Galatians 5 outlines those a little bit for us. The desires of the flesh are obvious is what the Apostle Paul tells us. I mean, he's got a list there. We're not going to go through that right now, but there is a list there that you can, oh. He says, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. That's how God sees us apart from his son, Jesus. He says, like the rest of mankind. And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because I think we're pretty familiar with what dead and lost means, what that looks like, what, what happens there. Like I said, no spiritual heartbeat, no desire for the things of God. There may be some knowledge, but there's no, there's no real longing and yearning for God. 
I mean, there's not godly conviction over sin, like a brokenness, a true brokenness over sin. There, there may be worldly sorrows, like, ah, oh, dang it, I hate that I did that to them, or I hate that I got caught, or I hate that. But, but there's, no, there's no brokenness of heart over their sin and rebellion against God. You, you know the thing that I hate about sin in my life the most? It's not that I do something to someone else, but that I do something to God first. I mean, the one, we just sang about it. Oh, how great your love is. Oh, how deep. I mean, I mean, the one that has loved me more than anybody else, the one that has done for me more than anybody else, what crushes me as a believer is the fact that I, that I, I commit adultery on him day after day after day. That I rebel against him day after day after day. That, that, that I revert back to this God. That, that, that the desires of my flesh I haven't crucified like he's called me to crucify. That I haven't killed and put to death like he's called me to kill and put to death. And, and I run back after that stuff. Oh, when I know in the end it just leaves me empty and, and desiring more. I mean, have you ever thought of it like that? Have you ever seen it like that? I mean, I mean, you go back and you dabble in it only to do what? To have to eventually go back and dabble in it again? To have to go back and dabble in it again? Well, because it doesn't fulfill and satisfy. There's only one that does that, and that's Jesus. I mean, that's Christ that fulfills and satisfies. Well, what breaks my heart as a believer that I, when I sin is the fact that I do it against God. Man, the one that has died for me. And we just sang about it. He, I mean, he knew us before the cross. He chose to go to the cross and die for us knowing what we would be like and what we would struggle with and what we would run to over and over and over again to find fulfillment and satisfaction. That's what breaks my heart. That's the difference between someone who's saved and someone who's lost. Is that understanding and that reality and I just want to say here real quick is that we need to be careful not to expect lost folk to act like they're alive spiritually. I mean, I mean like, like, we, like we, just got, oh, we get all up in arms about lost people. We, we get all up in arms about these movements and about this stuff. That, the lost people are going to act like lost people. Now, I'm not saying we're okay with that, but I'm saying we can't expect the same thing from a lost person that we expect from a believer in Jesus. Like we've been made alive. We've got the Holy Spirit living in us. We have conviction. We, we, we have him working and doing in us. And I'm not saying we don't try to infiltrate that. We don't try to walk with. We don't try to, uh, uh, to care for. We don't try to model and show. And yes, we should get worked up about stuff. But the way that we respond, God help us. Because my fear is that the way that we respond has done more damage than it has good. I just don't believe standing out on the corner yelling and screaming about how much God hates somebody is going to win them to him. Instead, if we would go serve and we would go love and we would scream, hey, you know how much God loves you? You know how much he cares for you? I know because I was in the same place. I was in the same boat. And let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me go buy you dinner. Let me go, let me go, let me go serve you and love you. Let me, let me do that. What that would do for the lost world. And so what we know to be true about someone who is spiritually dead is, is this. The greatest need in their life is the, the gospel. The greatest need for someone in this stage is to hear the gospel. And so we as the church, we need to love, we need to walk with, we need to pray for, we need to befriend in the hopes of being able to open up a door, earn their trust and earn their ear to be able to share the gospel with. So we keep pursuing, we keep having intentional conversation when it arises. And I don't think we need to beat him over the head with it. 
I don't think we need to do that. I think we just need to lovingly and graciously give it to him from time to time. Share with him what God's doing in your life from time to time. Let him see what it looks like to be a Christian even. And I just want to press here for a moment because I believe one of the things that we forget, one of the things that we have greatest in our tool belt of a follower of Jesus is this, is that we're not perfect, but we're in process. So just breathe this morning as a follower of Jesus. You're going to blow it and screw up. It's going to happen. And that's okay. Just, just don't live there in that. And, and, and what I know to be true is Satan's going to come in. He's going to let you know how big of a failure and how miserable of a Christian and how, oh, I can't believe that. God. He's going to tell you all that stuff. But what you need to remember is always look back to the cross and be reminded. And then let God pick you up and let's keep going. Let God pick you up and keep going. We're not perfect, but we're in process. And what I believe is one of the greatest resources and assets we have as followers of Jesus is that when we do screw up and blow it. I think the thing that will matter the most in my kids' lives is not that dad opened up the Bible and read it every day, not that dad could pray in the car with them, not that dad... I think one of the greatest things that will matter in my kids' lives down the road is this, is that dad screwed up just like we did, and you know what he did? He owned it. Do you know what he did? He, my dad got down on his knees, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, buddy, I'm sorry. Because the inflection in my voice toward your mother is not how a man talks to a woman. Or, buddy, I am sorry because I said that out loud and I should have never said it. And that's my heart and God's working. I'm sorry. I did not model for you what it looks like to be a man after Jesus' heart. Or whenever I overreact about something. Or whenever I go crazy about something. Or whenever I just, we just all do dumb stuff, do we not? To own it. I mean, that does greater for us in this world than us trying to be all high, holy, and mighty and wearing our pants up to here with knowing 50 Bible verses. I don't know what wearing our pants up to here has to do with being high and mighty. I would just be very, I know what that, never mind. That's a different reference for a different time. And get over yourself. Get over yourself. And Jesus has saved us and rescued us. And, the, and I'm not saying go out there and just mess up on purpose. Like, oh, the preacher told me I'm going to mess up today. Know where we're going tonight. No, 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 no. No. Because I believe the picture that's painted for a believer is that when they stumble into, not when they uh, willingly run after, I think that would be kind of maybe an indication that maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a problem there that, that would indicate maybe you're not, or your heart's hard towards sin, or, or God needs to get a hold of you in some areas. But that, that we own it and that we fess up to it, and that we let God use that. Let's model and show God's grace. I believe it's like this. I said, we have great opportunities in our struggles to win the loss to Jesus. Don't let that go wasted. You've got a story. You've got an opportunity to share and tell of God's grace and mercy in your life. From the highest of highs of where you've been into the lowest of lows, God wants to use it all. God wants to use it all. Man, don't, don't. Don't punt on that. Back to Ephesians 2, 4, it says this. He says, but God, so this is where it changes. Okay, this is where, where it gets really, but God being rich in mercy because of uh, uh, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were sinful, even when we were wicked, even when we were enemies of God, even when he, we were dead in our trespasses, in our sin, what does he do? He makes us alive together with Christ by the grace, for by grace you have been saved. So God steps in and he rescues and redeems. God steps in and he awakens the heart. God steps in and he, he shows us and tells us the truth about us. And he saves us. 
mean, we run to him in faith and believe. And so what I would say is this. It's okay to be where you are. Just don't be content staying in that place. And so maybe for you in this room this morning, this is the first time you've heard the gospel preached like that. Maybe for the first time in your life, you've, you've heard God saying, hey, you're not going to be perfect. You don't have it all together. You can't do it yourself. I mean, you're dead and you need to be made alive. And I'm the only one that can do that in your life. Not a list of morals, not a try harder mentality, not a, not a uh, let me do better approach, not let me pull myself up by my bootstraps, but a, but, but a surrender and give in. And so maybe that's what God's saying to you this morning. What you need to do is you need to move toward him in, in faith and belief. And this is the work of God, not us, but the work of God, whereby we have the privilege and honor to be able to kind of just play a small, small role in this. That's why I'm big on us preaching the gospel. That's why I'm big on us sharing the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is and the reality of the cross. God saves, and then what happens is he moves that person to the next phase. So they're spiritually dead. They're lost. The greatest need in their life is a new heart. God does that through faith in Jesus which then puts them in the next phase. Every believer everywhere has went to this next phase. This next phase is where God puts us. And my fear when we look at this next phase is this is where the majority of people get stuck. And then this phase and the one that we'll look at next week, these two phases is, is where really progress just, just halts. This is where they get stuck in their discipleship journey. And I believe this is where the people of God have blown it, have just blown it when it comes to being obedient and living out the Great Commission and making disciples like Jesus tells us to do. I believe this is where, where we've just, we just blown it. Let me try to illustrate for a second maybe a way that will kind of resonate with us like, like this. Maybe, maybe this is it. So as a parent, what, you have a kid, and when you have a kid, uh, uh, you bring them home, and, and, and that kid steps in, they're, 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 they're in the womb alive, and then they're born, and now they're out here, and now they're yours. They're yours to take and to raise and all the gloriousness that comes with that. But, but the illustration that I would give is this. Hey, there, little one. Yeah, oh, you took 10. Okay, you're good. Awesome. Okay, I'll bring him home from the hospital. The little girl I've never had. I'm just joking. Okay. Don't move a lot yet, so you don't have to worry about her falling off. And I've got her strapped in a five-point harness, so we're safe, Okay. All right, you do your thing. Good luck. And so as a parent, we bring them home, right? Like we've done, done the work of, of all the other stuff, being there and kind of helping and, and seeing God work and do. And then, and then what we do is, is we bring them home and we just leave them there. We just put them over there. You see, you see where I'm going spiritually with this? We share the gospel. We care for them. We, we try to do all that stuff. And, and finally, God saves them. And then what we do is we stick them over in the corner and, um, and we give them some, uh, some little resources and little things like that. Anybody got a Bible that you're not using? Oh, come on, you're in the church on a Sunday morning. You're not, I'm just joking, I'm joking. Yeah, let me see that, yeah. Perfect, awesome, thank you. You think I'd be more prepared about this. Anybody got something to drink? I heard a bottle. Oh, let's go bottle. Perfect, okay, good, awesome. All right, little one. And even like the believer here, I'm so, cup holder how perfect like every infant coming home from the hospital needs a cup holder there you go oh and by the way new american standard at least they can understand it kind of that wasn't a jab i'm sorry if you read the king james read it it's awesome i read it all right do your thing i expect you to grow and mature in your faith and to get it and to do it 
and there's you something to drink if you get thirsty. Food, you eat on the Word. That's what you eat, little one. You cut your teeth on that. And then we as a church, we just kind of, okay, they're doing their thing. Well, they haven't been around in two months. You would say, what? What's their problem? They've wandered back off into it. What's their problem? They're not, they're not serving. They're not doing, what's their problem? And we've had no impact, no influence, no walking with. Church, if I was to do this with my kid, I've got a 19-month-old right now. If I was to leave him at home by himself tomorrow, good Lord, what would happen to the house? Not to mention him, not to mention me. I would start my prison ministry that next day, I guarantee you that. <laughs> but, but, we, but that's what we do as the church, is it not? I mean, get him here, share the gospel, get my buddy saved, get my neighbor saved, let's do it. And then, then we're like, all right, figure it out. Good luck, go for it, dude. You, you can make it, you can do it. And, and we as a church, we're guilty of this. God works and saves and does that, and then we just leave them on their own to progress. And very few ever progress past the next two stages we're going to look at, today being this one. The next stage is this, is the stage of spiritual infancy. The stage of spiritual infancy. So once someone comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they progress into infancy spiritually. And this is the stage where they've accepted Christ, but they maybe haven't moved much past that point. And see, I believe that this should be a stage that just happens just, just for a brief moment. This should be the shortest stage of our stay as a believer, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. But my fear is this is where the majority of the church lands. I would even go out and say that this is probably where the majority of leadership would fall, is this stage and the stage that we'll look at next week. And so, they, I mean, they can be new believers, or maybe they're not new believers. Maybe they're believers that are stagnant. Maybe they are longtime Christians. And the biggest way, the biggest way to kind of know and to tell where a person is in this stage or not is that life is generally about them and their needs. All about them and all about their needs. It's this mindset of me mentality. I've got three boys. I've got, I've got a, a, a soon-to-be 10-year-old. I've got a six-year-old. And I've got a, a 19-month-year-old. That's not 19-month-year-old. 19 months. Why do we do that, like numbers like that? Can we just say he's like a year and a half almost? But 19 months old. And we're just kind of starting this pro, uh, this, the progress of coming out of this phase of life a little bit. But what I have learned about my 19-month-old, oh, my boys are needy, they're like their dad. But, but what I've learned about, uh, especially about my 19-month-old, is my gosh, he's the most neediest one that we've got. Y'all. I mean, that little booger has no problem just waking up in the middle of the night and waking all of us up. And dude, he can make the biggest messes with nothing. Like, we're there last night, we're like, you smell that? <laughs> no. He, he won't even clean himself. He's that needy. All of, I mean, you're wearing a diaper, dude. Come on. Get over yourself. Grow up. He can't walk because he's 19 months. We do that too as a church. You mean to tell me that they're not, they're not doing this yet or they're not... Nobody's ever walked with him and showed him and taught him. Nobody's ever done that. They don't know how to do that. Why? Because they're an infant in Christ. And if it's in Christ, they don't know how to do that. Like, like I would not, I would not give my I would not give my 19-month-old just a big old steak and say, here, buddy, have, have at it. If he gets steak, it's because we've cut it up in very small pieces. If, if we give him anything that could be a choking hazard, it's usually because we've we've chopped it up or we've cut it up and we've given it to him in a way that why wow, he can eat it and take it. 
I don't know why we as a church expect that and do that. We, we don't do that and live like that. But the neediest one in my house, he, I mean, he is self-centered. He doesn't understand a lot. I'm going to be honest with y'all. My wife's in here, but he doesn't really bring much to the table. <laughs> I mean, he makes us really happy, and he's cute, and he does like some cool, fun stuff, and man, I love him. But he doesn't contribute much to the family. I'm just saying. But it's true, is it not? It's true. And, and I think the thing that breaks my heart is, is how so many people in the church are in that stage, in that phase of their life. The same way. The same, uh, the same way, and they never progress past it. First Peter 2.2 2 says it like this. First Peter 2.2. 2. It says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in salvation. And so there's some beautiful realities and truths about Christ that, that, that we can understand at deeper levels when we, when we mature and grow in our faith. And we should long for that. We should want that. We should want to go deeper. We should want to mature. And I'm not going to stop beating this drum until God takes me out. And I believe that the way that we get to some of those places is, is through His Word, being in His Word. Once we read His Word, we do what it says, and in that we, we start to grow in and we start to mature and as believers, we better be marked by the hunger for his word. That had better be an indicator in our life. I don't know about you, but my dad was always like this. That's what I want my boys to say. I, I, he was crazy and bad as all get out. But he had to be in the word. He wanted to read God's word. He wanted to tell us about God's word. He, he, it, we better be marked for a hunger by a hunger for his word. And look at what he says next. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so this if right here maybe would indicate kind of back to, the, that's why it's so hard to determine whether or not somebody is or they isn't. They is or they isn't. Is that right? That sounded funny. They is or they isn't, yo, you know? Wicca, wicca. But, but when I look, if indeed, and I'm going to say this, we don't know with 100% certainty about anybody in this room. I'm not good enough and great enough and all-knowing enough to be able to say, like, yep, you are, yep, you are, yep, yeah, yeah, you are, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, no. The only person I can speak for in this room is myself. Whether or not I am or I'm not. The only person that I can speak with any kind of certainty is, is for me. But what I see here is this, is if indicates that maybe not everyone has. And maybe one of the reasons why discipleship isn't happening is because some think that they've tasted something, but in all reality, they've not taken it down. They got a little nibble of it. They've heard of what is expected and what is required. They've counted the cost, and maybe they're ready to go the other way because that's that's pretty hefty price. And what I would plead with you this morning is this: is eternity separated from God is not a hefty price. Whatever He wants, I'm gladly to give over. Because I know me, like I know I was dead, y'all. Like we were dead, we were we were wicked. I'm deserving of death and damnation. And by the love of God, He steps in and rescues me and redeems me through, through the sacrifice of His Son. And so maybe it hasn't fully been taken down and digested. Maybe. Maybe. And so this is why it's so important for the further along and the more mature believers in Jesus Christ. It's so vital for us to do everything we can to be walking out, doing life with, with other believers, having intentional conversation around the Word of God. 
and modeling what it looks like to be obedient to, to his word. Challenging and pressing and encouraging. That's what we need to be doing. That's how we make disciples. And hear me, I don't believe at all that spiritual maturity has to do with physical age or how long you've been saved. Some of the most immature people that I know spiritually are people that have been in the church for 40 years. So just because you gather in this room week in and week out doesn't make you spiritually mature. It doesn't progress you to the next level. Now that should be there and that should help as an indicator for us to see and to know. But what I believe is this, is that spiritual maturity is shown by, the way, by what we say, what we do, and how we respond to God's truth. What we say, what we do, and how we respond to God's truth. Because what I've learned is what's in the heart comes out. I think the Bible says something about that, maybe. It does. It does. And so what's in is going to make its way out. And, and what, what I've learned is that usually when we're in those pressure situations... You know, that boss that you work with or that spouse that you have or those kids that God's given you or that circumstance is difficult. Whenever we're put into that and it gets to be hard and difficult and the pressure is on us, man, how do we respond in those moments? Because that's when we should rise to the occasion all the more. Because I'm growing and maturing in my, in my walk. And, and hear me, this will never happen. This will never happen if we're not preparing and walking and doing now. Like maturity don't happen overnight. You know that, right? Oh, I read the Bible like six months ago. Like I should be good. I had a quiet time this six months ago one time, and I said something about love and about just Jesus. I'm good. I'm set. And you get put in the situation, you just fall apart, and you you act crazy, and you act like a lost person. It doesn't happen. It's a, it's a it's a steady progressive pursuit of Jesus. That's where maturity comes from. So it's me spending time with Him, me longing for me, walking with Him and and His people. And, and in that, he begins to do a work in me. And as he does this work in me, then I get thrown into this situation, this circumstance, this pressure is put on. And in that, I respond like a mature believer. It doesn't just happen because I read it one time or because I attend church every Sunday. It's a purposeful, intentional pursuit of Jesus. So what's in the heart is going to come out. And so we should long and desire to grow past this stage. So, so let's talk about it for a minute. And then we'll, 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 we'll kind of end with this. See, the thing that, that outlines a spiritual infant is this mentality of me. We're, we're me-driven. We're me, it's all about me. Me, me, me. My, 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 my. Ah, 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 ah. For church, it's all, it's all about them, about their needs, about their likes, about their preferences, about their wants, about their comforts. And so someone in this stage will talk and act in certain ways, and that's an indicator and helps us know. Where are they at in the process? Well, if they're on the me train all the time, we, we probably know that there's something going on in there that, that's not, not where it needs to be. If, if they're never content and satisfied in Christ or in the way that the church... Like, like if, if it's always just a, a critical analysis of, instead of an encouraging building up of, maybe there's an issue there. And so um, I want to preface it like this. Let me make sure. Yeah, none of you, none of you, I've not gotten none of this from you. So I'm just, this is kind of like a disclaimer a little bit. I've been in ministry for, for probably, I'm pushing 20 years in ministry. I know I don't look that old, but hey, time's been good to me. Um, you'd agree, thanks. And so I have got, I have got experience after experience after experience after experience of some of this stuff. 
And, and so what I want to do is I just kind of just want to pull back for a moment. I, I, I want to pull back for a moment, and I just want to say some things that, that would kind of maybe help us understand deeper where somebody's at, right? Because what's in the heart's going to come out. And, and how do we make disciples? We make disciples relationally walking with people. How do we do that? We interact with them, right? We have conversation with them, we eat lunch with them, we, we do stuff with them, we gather with them, uh, we spend time with them and their families, and, and in that, we get to see them. You know what I mean? Like, like everybody looks good and pretty on a Sunday morning here. Everybody. How is, how is, your, how is your week? And we, and we like even like talk Christianese, oh, bless, brother. What does that even mean? You've been blessed this week? Well, bless me a little bit. What'd you get? We're fine. We're always, always fine, aren't we? I mean, we're not real and honest. But when you spend time with somebody outside of here, you may like me now and you may like me here, but you hang out with me for a little bit. Man, I am everywhere all the time. I am just, oh, I'm a lot for a lot of people. And I'm okay with that. Some people aren't. But you've got to love me because the Bible says. <laughs> just like we have to love you because the Bible says. But, but no, honestly, I, I, I want to I point us to maybe some of this, and, and, and hear me, this is my hope and this is my desire, is that in this moment, as we look at this, this is not shots fired, this is just conversations had over, over a 20-year span of ministry with people, and getting to see people and have conversations with people outside of an environment like this, people who claim to be something, and, and in that, hearing their heart and seeing seeing some things that would point back to maybe the reason why they act and talk that way is this. So, so, so one of the things that you hear a lot, like I said, from somebody in the spiritual infancy stages is a lot of eyes. I'm just too busy for. And, and like we wear busyness as a badge like it's a good thing. That, that, that just shows that we, we struggle kind of organizing and putting in perspective things of greatest importance in our life. That's what busyness does. And, and so, so, so a lot of times though, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm too busy to, to do that. I'm, I'm too, I, I can't really go there. You're, you're going to do what? No, I, for, uh, I can't do that. I don't have time. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. My life's important is what they're saying. And, and yes, everybody's life's important. But hear me, we should never be too busy to do anything of the Lord. Do you hear me? And, and I get, we, we, we categorize and we put things into perspective. Yes, absolutely. But if you're never doing nothing for the Lord, and I wanted to say it that bad English, if you're never doing nothing for the Lord... That's not a good thing. If you're too busy for Jesus all the time, every time, either you're lost or you're an infant and can't. And we need to grow. We should have a desire to do for Jesus. And none of us, honestly, are that busy. If we are, then we, we need to cut some things out. Second thing is this. I, I've heard this say, um, uh, I, just, I just can't volunteer because. <sighs> Kids, youth, Missions. I mean, I, I, and you can fill in the blank, whatever your blank is. Like, I just don't, I mean, I, mean, I, I, can't, I can't volunteer because. I can't give my life away because. And really what you're saying is, is I'm, I'm just all about me, and I, I don't, I don't want to give in, I don't want to do. Because it doesn't make me comfortable, or because I don't, whatever excuse you want to give there is not fit for Jesus. You hear me? I can't tell you the amount of times that he's made me uncomfortable following him. I don't want to have conversations with people sometimes. I don't want to go do that for people sometimes. I don't want to do that kind of... No. But you know, it's not about me. 
It's about him being made known. It's about his gospel going out. So, so I'm just, I'm, I just can't volunteer because I don't, whatever your excuse is there. Um, another one is this. Um, I can't have a quiet time because. Well, if you can't read the word we established last week, let's find you one that you can read and understand and get into. And if you don't know how, see us. We'd love to partner you with somebody. We'd love to put someone with you. We're going to have some stuff rolling out to where we we even learn how to walk through the Word so you can do that, so you can get in the Word yourself. It is inexcusable for us as believers in this day not to be able to get in the Word and be able to articulate it somewhat. To be able to walk out and find out and understand what the Word of God says. Inexcusable. But I just just can't because, or I just can't give my hard-earned money to the church. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second. Let's feel that. And usually what that is is because we're too into our world. We're too into our stuff. I just can't, I can't, or I can't be transparent and share my struggles with someone. You don't know how they're going to, you don't know how they're going to use it. And I would caution you to share everything with everybody. But I would encourage you to share everything with a few few that you trust, a few that you walk, walk with, a few that are, that are sold out to you and to Jesus, a few, a few that, that care for your soul and your well-being and want to see you progress in your relationship with Christ. We should be transparent because when we are hidden, that's dangerous. To be 99.9% known is to be 100% unknown because that 0.1% will get you every time and it will take you places you don't want to go, you never dreamed you would land at. I mean, I can tell you story of story of story of people right now, the one percenters that ended in places. Marriages were wrecked. Lives were destroyed. Relationship with children forever. Not forever, because I believe God can do work, but, but, but just ravished. Don't be the one percent. I don't need someone telling me accountability, thinking about accountability. I don't, I don't need someone telling me to, to do this or do this because I'm like, I'm this age and I know some things. I'm, like, I'm learned in life. I've got street cred. Yeah. I mean, that's just such an image. No, I need people helping me, walking with me. It takes a village to raise Scott. It, it takes a village to help me understand and walk with and see things. I, I, I need people in my life. And I know that not everybody wants to be in my life to tell me the right things for the right reasons, and so I'm cautious there and careful, but, but I, I, need, I need, I've got people in my life that have got the green light to tell me anything they need to anytime they need to, to question me on anything that they want to at any time, and, and, and I stop and listen, and I give. Because I don't want to be the 0.1%. It's not worth it. I've seen what that does, and I don't want, I don't want that. Another statement I've heard again is this. Is, man, I'm just, I love this one. I'm just not being fed. I'm, just, I'm not being fed. And it usually pertains to like a church or a pastor. Or, oh, Lord, help me here. I've got a 10-year-old, and when he gets hungry, do you know what he does? He goes to the, he goes to the, the pantry. Well, because when he's hungry and he needs something to eat, he can go. Now, his food, may, his food choice might not be the greatest. Don't be those people. If you're not being fed, what I would say is probably because you're not in God's Word to begin with. And I'm not called to feed you. I'm called to equip you. I'm called to challenge. I'm called to press. I'm called to love. I'm called to shepherd. I'm called to walk. I'm called to teach you how to. I shouldn't be feeding you. This shouldn't be your primary source of nourishment this morning. This shouldn't be the, 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 the time that you gather to grow and to, to get... No, like that should be happening Monday through Saturday. 
Why? Because there should be an appetite for God's word. There should be a hunger and a yearning and a longing for God's word. And in that, you run to it and you read it. And as you read it, the Holy Spirit does a work in you, shaping you and molding you. And as he does that, he gives you more hunger for it. And you go further and you go deeper. And as you do that, you grow and you learn and you're feeding yourself. We should be self-feeders. That's what a disciple is. That's what we're called to do is teach people, equip people how to do that. I mean, I just don't like the color of the carpet. Like, that has any relevance to eternal things. Or I just don't like the color they painted this. Or I just don't like the light that they hung. Or I just don't like the... Do you see, do you see the tendency there? Or I thought this was too much. Or I thought this was too long. Or I thought this wasn't long enough. Or I thought, it's not about you. So we gather here this morning, and, and I don't... I, I'm trying to make sure this is the Lord and not Scott. That's what that was. It kind of got stuck in like the middle, and I'm like, shake it. Um, we don't put this together for you. We put this together for the Lord. And so whatever's preached, whatever's sung, whatever, whatever is done in this place is for the glory and honor of God and for the edification of his saints. And we're always going to be like that. Well, because he matters most, and, and, and it's not about us, it's about him. Now hear me, I understand that, okay, with this sweet little thing over here, that there's going to be some things, okay, you can't do this, and you can't drink, I need to get you a bottle, I need to, get, I need to break it down in a way that they can understand it, I need, uh, we're, we're going to do that, we're always going to be cautious and careful of that, and we're going to try to equip, we're going to try to help, we're going to try to walk with, but we're going to do it in a way that honors God, in a way that's, that's, that'll give them what they need in the time that they need it. And so, again, I just want to point back to, I just want to point back to, man, the, the spiritual infant in the discipleship process is me-driven. Me, 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 me-driven. All about me. All about me. What I like, what I want, what I desire. Me, 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 me. Do I, do I, do I not? Do I? We've got to get past the me stage of this. We've got to. We've got to get to the God stage of this. And so as the band comes back up, as the band comes back up, I want to say this again. It, it's, it's okay if you're in this stage today. If the things that I've said this morning in this place, as I've given goofy little examples of things that we say, if you've said that, that's fine, that's good, that's cool. Identify where you're at and let God work and move in your life to get you to the next place. Let, let the Holy Spirit do a work in you for that. So, so if you're here this morning and your spirits are dead or, and, and, you're, and you're not born again, then search your heart and ask God to awaken you to the reality of whether you're His or not. And maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Or maybe what it is is that God's just stirring your heart, the reality that you need to go share the gospel with somebody, that you need to be praying for someone. And that's why we've got these, these little post-it notes out there on that, uh, on, on that sign. It's to, it's to post initials of people that we need to share the gospel with, that we're praying for God to save. And so maybe God revealed to you in this moment that that's where you're at and that's what you need to be doing. Either be saved or to share with someone that's lost. Or maybe he's revealed to you, okay, maybe I'm in this stage. Maybe he's pulled back the curtain and he's shown you that. And that's quite all right. And, and I believe that the church is, has got people in every stage that we're going to discuss. Man, I, I hope that there's lost people here. Why? Because I hope God saves and rescues. And I hope that we, living out our faith day to day, has drawn the lost world in to see what in the heck are they doing. They are goofy and crazy about what they believe. But man, there's something about them. So I hope that lost people come. And I hope that we have spiritual infants. Why? Because what that shows is that, is that we're growing, that God's doing a work. And that we have the great responsibility of walking with and helping. I mean, so what I would press you this morning is be honest with yourself. Begin this process of, of 
pressing in and allowing God to shape and mold you. Growing, growing you into things of Him. And what I've learned is maturity is a tough, tough thing. Maturity is a tough, tough thing. Adulting is difficult, is it not? Like that's always like the cool, fun thing to say as an adult. Like, oh, parenting, adulting is tough. It is, why? Because we know that we've got to make tough choices, difficult choices that, that's not going to make everybody happy. It's not always just going to be butterflies and rainbows. We've got to do the difficult work of assessing and looking at and walking into. Because I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. And, and hear, please hear me this morning. My desire is not to say anything about anybody in this room. But if the Holy Spirit presses upon your heart, like, oh, man, maybe I'm not quite as far along as I thought. That's quite all right. I mean, we'd love to talk to you more about what the next steps are to help you get further, to help you to progress. I mean, if, if this thing comes home chewing on a steak and walking, do you know how freaky that is? Same thing with us. Man, take that time in that stage to grow and to learn and to, to cut your teeth on the things of God and, to, and, and to, to let Him do a work in you. And so I, I don't know what God's pressed on your heart, but I want to pray, and I really want to pray this morning and ask Him to just, to just do a work in you, with you. So I want to ask you to just join me as we pray and, and just, just, just listen for God's voice on your heart. Father, Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for this time together. God, I pray that if it's offensive, it's because it was by the Holy Spirit. And in that offense, Lord, that we would move toward, not away, and that we would allow you to do a greater work in us. So Jesus, do whatever you need to do in this place. Lord, if there's someone lost, I pray, God, that you would awaken in their heart their need for you. God, if there's someone here in this phase, God, may they come back next week. May they tune in next week. May they find out next week, how do I progress? What, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do this? Because, God, I believe the desire of your heart is to help us mature on through as your disciple. So, God, do work in this time. In your name we pray. Amen.